And welcome to a live edition of the Carolina Weather Group on this Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. All things weather barring, this will be the third mm -hmm. to last new episode of the Carolina Weather Group. And if you're with us live tonight on this Wednesday night on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch, we have Brad Panovich, yeah. Chief Meteorologist, and Matt Hammond, Promotion Manager from WCNC Charlotte, where I strong-armed them into coming into the podcast tonight. <laughs> Uh, I guys, I'm wearing my uh, I'm wearing my my swag representing the uh, the day job. That is my bias disclosure at the top of the show that uh, I am talking this evening with as guests and frequent uh, viewers of the show know uh, daytime job colleagues. Uh, welcome to the Moonlighting Project. Uh, we are going to take you behind the scenes this week's folks of uh, a really cool commercial that the station is airing. And I don't just say that because it's it's on our airwaves, but it is a really cool commercial. And if you haven't seen it yet, take a look. When did you know what you wanted to be? Hey mom, the weather's on. WCNC Charlotte's chief meteorologist, Brad Panovich, always knew what he was meant to do. All right, don't forget your umbrella. In fact, he joined the American Meteorological Society when he was 13. Now Brad is all grown up. You can see him right here on WCNC Charlotte, making sure you're informed and safe. Hey, where did all my hair go? Experience the difference. Let's bring back in Brad and Matt, along with Carolina Weather Group panelist Evan Fisher in Asheville and Jared Smith in Charleston. Let me start, Matt, uh, with the genesis of this spot. Um, you know, I want to know when uh, we have we have young Sheldon on another network. <laughs> Will young Brad be coming to WCNC Plus? Are we going to give this an entire full series green light? I think I think that's a great idea. If we can if we can find this uh, young man's parents and. Uh, <laughs> Get them to agree to have a a full series for him. I think that'd be perfect. He he was a he was a great subject. So yes, Brad, take us behind the scenes on who this doppelganger is playing the thirteen year old Brad. <laughs> that is my now twelve year old son uh, playing that role. Um, he was uh, I think he was still he was just twelve at the time when you guys did it. Yeah, he was twelve because he did not turn. Uh, he turned twelve back in March. Um, yeah, he's he's my oldest son. Um, I have a son and a daughter, and um, it's kind of funny. He uh, he probably looks more like my wife than me, <laughs> but I joke that I did have hair at that age, uh, <laughs> and it was it was pretty good at that time. But the funny thing about this is, um, yeah, I wasn't there when this was shot because um, I was at work, obviously. And um, Kyler's normally kind of pretty shy. Uh, he's kind of a little introverted. He can be kind of outgoing, but um, I didn't know what to expect until I started seeing some of the clips. And I was like, holy cow, who is this kid, man? He did like so good. He really did a great job um, playing it up and acting and, and being me, which was, you know, pretty cool. So you weren't there when this all came together. And, and you know, the, the spot, the commercial, I'm using like TV lingo, the spot uh, references <laughs> yes. how young Brad got into the American Meteorological Society yeah. at age 13. So stay tuned. We're going to we're going to dive into what you can do to get young kids involved in weather. Yeah. But but Matt, you were on set. So what was this? What was this like uh, casting of uh, the young, the young, you know, uh, Brad Panovich, if you will? Uh, I'm sorry, I have a really bad connection right here in my studio slash garage, <laughs> but I will answer. <laughs> Give me a close version of the question one more time. What was it like on set putting this commercial together? 
You know, it was great. It was, um, uh, you know, all the props to, to Brad's family for allowing uh, three scruffy TV guys to come in and take over and uh, and film this. But I was like, Kyler did a great job. We really kind of came in with a with a game plan. We had talked about this spot for a really long time. Um, yeah. Like uh, we had it down to the T of basically shot by shot of how we thought it was going to happen and uh, what it was going to look like. And it, we, I think we pulled it off. That, that does not often happen in uh, what we do. The things come off exactly the way we want to, but like I said, we, we, we transformed uh, Brad's technological marvel of a house into an eighties house as much as possible. <laughs> and uh, you know, with a few props and uh, things we dug up out of the closets, out of the TV station and, before you know it, it was the 80s, which I have a lot of experience with after mm -hmm. living through it. And so, but that Kylo did great. It was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun to shoot. I remember you walking around the office asking anyone if they had a VCR. And <laughs> I was very sad that I couldn't find mine. I, it's yeah, somewhere you know, in the mess. Well, oddly enough, now my son is very interested in VCRs, VHS tapes all of a sudden. So, you know. Maybe it, I mean, maybe it came from this. I found some of these, if that helps <laughs> at all. I just have nothing to play them on. Um, we're going to bring in the rest of the panel here in a moment, and we're going to take some questions from those of you watching live. Feel free to comment on whatever platform you're watching. Uh, but let me go back to a point you brought up, Matt. You, you guys had been working on this for some time. You planned it out. Let's go inside the marketing office, the promotions office of a TV station. People know that there's a newsroom. People know that there's a weather department. They may even know that there's a sales department that puts food on our table at the end of the day. <laughs> but but how long were you guys working on this? And when was this idea first conceived up until the point it hit the airwaves in time for the fall TV season in September? Well, I can't give you the precise timeline, but I can say it was we, we probably brainstormed through this for a month, if not more. Um, it, it was all came from a, a meeting that that Brad and Joan had had at some point in time where Brad had brought up uh, being a member of the of the AMS uh, when he was younger. And and Joan came to us, our general manager, and she said, you know, that'd be a great spot. But Joan happened to send that text around, I don't know, 9, 930 at night one night. And I quickly blew it off and said, no, that'll never work. You blew off a text <laughs> from your boss's boss. <laughs> But, uh, you know, woke up the next morning and, and, you know, when we started thinking about it, we said, there's a lot here. There's, there really is a lot here. And it's and it's a real authentic, genuine sentiment. Like we, we you know, we had to recreate the scenes, but it, but it's all authentic. I mean, this is really where Brad's coming from. This is what his passion is. And I'm it sure was our job to show that. I'm sure people in the Charlotte area have seen it a ton of times. And for folks who have not yet seen it or for folks who are listening to the audio version of this, let me explain some of the things that are just in the spot, right? So we just saw a boom box with a cassette tape. We see this TV with bunny ears. I'm pretty sure we're getting a Easter egg. Is that Larry Sprinkle doing the weather? Yes. <laughs> that absolutely is. Yeah. And uh, that was, that was one of the, you know, TV magic things. That was, that's just a blank television, not plugged into anything that we filmed. And, uh, and John Tressel, our graphic artist, artist in house, he was able to to plug a uh, classic Larry clip right in there. And um, I got to say, uh, Trey Maggio worked on this with us. He created the uh, the homemade the homemade camera there that's on the tripod, and we which put still together, exists. 
It's on it, somebody's it desk it. upstairs. That's it. There it is right there. I see there's, a, there's a halogen headlight on it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so I don't, those may not have existed. They may not be time period accurate, but, uh-huh. but just about everything else was. We, there's, there's a few things hiding in the background in there, but. Yeah. And I, and I also know from having watched you guys do this, and I want to give this insight to anyone who's interested in production, you guys, the final product that we're looking at right now has scan lines added onto it. And the only other place I've seen that done is on the uh, Sonic Mania game on Switch, where you can switch it to retro mode. So you guys shot it in 4K and then so layered everything was shot. Everything was shot in 4, 4K. Yeah, absolutely. Everything's shot in 4K. Um and it looks really pristine and it looks quite amazing. And it was, it kind of hurt my heart to, to do that to the video, but that was kind of the, <laughs> that was the idea. So we wanted to make it look like it came from that out of a time capsule to some degree. And, um, and then, you know, you could really see that time difference between when Brad's showing up in the present and then even to the end where we split screen them together, kind of keeping, keeping the a little bit of age on there, but all that's added in post. I love the hair joke. A comment from North Carolina, Tennessee, high country weather watching with us again on YouTube tonight. Great commercial. The detail is pretty awesome. There's a lot of good stuff, um, you know, as as we're watching this through yet again. It's only 30 and, seconds long, and, but you can see all these Easter eggs. Oh, he finishes the Rubik's Cube. I've never noticed that before. Yeah. <laughs> Who did the That's Rubik's pretty. Cube, Matt? That is uh, Trey Maggio's Rubik's Cube whiz. <laughs> Yeah, my son actually has a Rubik's cube in his bedroom too, which is kind of funny. He has it on his nightstand, and uh, it, he loves it, those uh, things. And the great thing was that it gave us—we had a bit of an arts and craft project along the way. I mean, yeah. all the way from like making our very own. Oh, you uh, have the props with you? Yeah, we brought a little bit of prop with us. So uh, <laughs> we went, made the weather map. We got out our crayons and markers, and it, it's, it, we had a lot of got to uh, you know do a little artistic. Uh, flair with it and there were and to add a little bit to that you know you were talking about the joke at the end we had a few different versions of that that we were going to play off of and uh, the the one other one that my wife said we we could have done if the hair didn't pass the the test with the gm and with brad was uh brad making sure everybody downloads our app and young brad says what's an app <laughs> what's, what's that um Brad, you've been involved in a lot of commercials. You yeah. tend to have, I don't know, at least one seasonally. Um, where does this one, you know, it, it, Matt's right there. So, you know, be careful how you answer <laughs> this. How does this one rank for you out of all of the commercials you've done in your career? Well, the funny thing is I probably am in this the least amount of anything I've ever done because it's really about my son. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm just kind of thrown in at the end. Um, so I, I think in some ways this is kind of really cool because my son was involved in it. And the other thing I love about this, it really is an authentic story because I told this story to Joan because, um, you know, I tell this all the time when I do public speaking about how much I loved weather as a kid. And this was a real story when I was in middle school, um, which, you know, my son is right now. I think I was actually in eighth grade. He's in seventh grade. So it was really close to the same age. But um, I knew I wanted to meet a meteorologist since I was six years old. And middle school, you start having some career days and you had, we had guidance counselors. And one of our guidance counselors had this mentorship program. And it was basically a way to kind of feel out careers. And I went to her right away and I said, you know what? I know I want to be a meteorologist. Can you get me someone to mentor with? And she was so great. She got me two meteorologists, a National Weather Service 
meteorologist forecaster at the at the time the National Weather Service office in Akron Canton Ohio which is at the airport and then a TV meteorologist at the NBC station in Cleveland Ohio and so one night uh, during the semester I got to go to each place and, and mentor them and I really was just utterly fascinated by weather and while I was talking to her I said you know this is what I want to do and um, you know, someday I'm going to get my AMS seal because I'd always see the guys on TV have that. And she did a research, said, you know what, you can be a student member of the AMS. And as long as you pay at the time, I think it was like might have been $20 dues for students, um, which I think I don't even I think I had. I think my dad paid it. Um, and I said, oh, I want to be a member. And so I did. And I actually <laughs> I actually wrote to them and became a, became a member. And so it was pretty cool uh, to, to do that and then to see it put into like a TV commercial. So. I really, I think to me that because it's so authentic, uh, it's got to be up there. But the other great one that, you know, was done a while ago, it was the Super Bowl commercial, which was a huge honor for me. The station actually put me in a Super Bowl commercial uh, was the Superman, uh, the Super Brad commercial, which actually won an Emmy. Um, and so that was a really cool commercial as well. So we've done some fun things here over the years. And um, the great thing about all these commercials is, you know, I, I'm not really big into you know, my face being out there is I love the fact that in each one of those commercials, the Superman one and this one, we had a little bit of humor at the end to basically say that I'm not taking myself too seriously. So I think that's I think that's the pretty the, the cool thing about both of the spots we did. And um, it just it really was awesome. And I think the other cool thing about this one is the amount of outpouring from people, not only in Charlotte, but across the country have seen this. that just love this commercial. There's something about this commercial that um, strikes a nerve with a lot of people. I've heard from a lot of teachers and a lot of uh, other guidance counselors who, who love this commercial because of the fact that it was a young me being inspired to do something and that I'm doing it still to this day and kind of a great example of, hey, kids, look, if you want to do something in middle school, look, it actually can turn into something. So I think that's the other cool part about it. It's got a great story to it. I'm going to bring in Evan Fisher. He's in Asheville, and I'm going to unmute him. Go ahead, Evan. Thank you. Thank you, James. Um, and, and thanks for this story, guys. You guys put together such an excellent uh, commercial. I remember seeing it when it first rolled out on social media, and so humorous and so touching as well. Uh, and I think it really touches the heart of every weather nerd out there. Um, yeah. We've got a new comment here from Will Silvers. Uh, I remember when I came to visit you in studio several years ago, Brad. Uh, it was amazing. Well, that, that actually ties into something that I was going to say. Part of this conversation we're having tonight is how can we get kids involved in the weather? Um, yeah. Brad, you talked about your son who's in seventh grade and how you were in eighth grade uh, and, and had this passion for the weather even back then. My story is somewhat similar. It starts in seventh grade with a, a, a teacher, an earth science teacher. And these teachers are so, so good at instilling a passion for just being okay with being a, a nerd uh, stem yeah. sometimes gets a bad rap for being a bunch of nerds and nerds aren't cool but the reality is nerds are super cool if you ask me um yeah. and, and in seventh grade i was totally one of those nerds and living in charlotte with this teacher who encouraged me to pursue the weather you know there were already folks back then um I, i'm by far the youngest on this panel tonight um mm -hmm. Brad, you were on tv at that time in charlotte so having all of these influences from education and middle school to also just seeing someone that's grown up doing this job that they love like you brad on tv these are such excellent um influences on on kids to to want to do more you you have fun every day and it's clear that you're having fun on tv doing what you love uh and what kid doesn't want to have fun when they grow up <laughs> yeah honestly the best part of my, my job is that part is going to schools and 
kind of being that inspiration for kids. Like, um, you know, when I first moved to Charlotte, I would do school talks all the time, like way out in every county in our viewing area. Like I was the one that would drive two hours to go do a school talk. And at first, you know, I remember other people on the staff, they're like, why do you do that? That's a lot of work. And part of it was I wanted to learn the market, but also um, as a kid, knowing that I loved weather when I was a kid, I always wanted a meteorologist to come to my class. <laughs> and I always think there's a little me in each one of these classrooms in the back that has been dying for a meteorologist to come to their school and give them inspiration. I remember every career day we'd have like, you know, the doctors, the lawyers, the veterinarian, the firemen. It's like, yeah, great, great. I'm like, where's the meteorologist? You know, we never, we never had the meteorologist. So um, I always think there's that one kid in each class. And so it is really a cool part about my job that you get to inspire somebody to go do it. And, you know, the, the cool thing about it, and it's great to see Evan and, you know, have a passion for it. It's the passion part to me that is really the thing that drove this because I'll be honest with you, and you guys know this because we're all into weather. Uh, meteorology is not an easy degree to get. The math is really difficult. And I remember at a time in middle school when this when this this was happening, um, when I wanted to be a meteorologist, I was not doing really good in math. <laughs> I was struggling in math in middle school. I did not do very well in math at that time. I was good in all my other classes, and it really wasn't until high school when people started saying, "Hey, you got to be you got to be good at math and calculus and algebra, and trigonometry." to get a degree in meteorology that it started clicking for me. So it's also, to me, that's one of the things I tell the kids. I say, Hey, sometimes you're going to struggle in a class or you're not going to get it. But when, but once I knew that math was part of my passion, meteorology, it was like all of a sudden, like, okay, I can get this. I can figure it out. And it really helped me kind of power through. If I would have told you in middle school that I would be taking Calc three and differential equations at Ohio state, I would have probably slapped you and said, you're crazy. I'll never do that. But I did. And I look back and I'm like, man, there would have been a point if I didn't have the inspiration from a teacher or somebody to push me along and say, hey, it's OK, you can get through this. I don't know. You might you might have given up a dream at that point. You just never know. And um, even though I was struggling with math, I ended up taking these high level calculus and differential equations. And um, I remember math 254, which was like crazy theoretical stuff that, you know, back in middle school, I'd have been like, man, I was struggling with, with just algebra back then. I think that I got all the way up to that level of calc. I distinctly remember, I guess it was probably a high school when I was deciding that I wanted to go into uh, the me into meteorology and study that as with undergrad. I distinctly remember a conversation I had with an adult saying that he had attempted to graduate in the, in the meteorology undergrad program and the math was too much and that I shouldn't really bother trying because the math was <laughs> going to be overwhelming. Now I'm one semester away from graduating, so it feels good looking back and laughing at it. Uh, but at the time, that was extremely discouraging. And that was yeah. probably the only real bump in the road for me along the way. Uh, so like you said, encouraging these kids that, yes, there will come a time when it's challenging. There will be exams that you fail along the way, yeah. um, but it's OK. And the passion, no matter above all else, the passion shines through. And that's what gets you through those incredibly late nights trying to figure out what's going on and diff EQ. Um, yeah. and especially for young kids, that's so far down the road. You know, all they need yeah. is just some encouragement that it will be OK. Yeah. And I think the thing to remember, too, is no matter what your passion is, I mean, I, it's great nowadays. You could be a gamer and make a career out of it. You can be uh, into art. You can be into music. All these things are passion and fun, but there's always going to be some part of getting to be a professional or making that a career that's going to be difficult. It takes hard work no matter what career or what choice you're going to make to be, you know, to, to pursue this passion. Um, so I think everyone's, it's a good lesson too that. It takes hard work, even for stuff you love. Um, to get to that point. But it's it all around, it's just been fun to kind of do a spot like this because, uh, and Matt could probably speak to this because, you know, we just, in news business, kind of 
you know, it's crazy stuff. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you're covering crazy stuff and to do, um, you know, hard news. It's always nice to have something fun like this to do that is enjoyable and it's uh, lighthearted, but also kind of inspirational too, for a lot of people out there. And the, the cool thing was about this ad that I didn't mention earlier was so many people, you know, we didn't mention an ad at all. That's my son, right? It's just this actor, right? <laughs> and the first time it aired, my DMs of people, is that your son? Is that your son? Is it, like people could kind of tell, but they weren't really sure. And when it, when they found out it was my son, it almost made the ad even better because it was like, holy cow, that's actually Brad's son. So there's that whole element there made it kind of cool for people to self-discover that, hey, that that's actually Brad's son. And uh, for him, it was cool to see him in the way his friends and teachers and his uh, buddies kind of kind of reacted to it as well, because all of a sudden there, you know, here's Kyler in our class and he's on TV now all the day, all the time. His teachers noticed first right away and we're really excited for him. And then some of the older kids, which, you know, I thought maybe they would pick on him over, but they thought it was really cool. And uh, he's in, in Boy Scouts and, you know, they've got kids from middle school to high school. The high school kids all thought it was really cool that he was in a commercial. <laughs> and but that was one of our one of our early concerns was I, I brought to Brad immediately when when we came up with the idea that uh, I said, do you think he'd like to do this? And well, his, <laughs> I think his first response was that my daughter would love to do this. Yes. I'm not sure. <laughs> but but he uh, he did give it a try and he did say he did a great job on it. I, I just wanted to piggyback real quick uh, what you guys were just talking about. Brought up a memory for me when I was in elementary school back in uh, Greer, South Carolina. Uh, so WIFF was our station over there that we were watching. And Mike Seidel was the meteorologist over there at the time. And he came and visited my elementary school class and he brought stacks and stacks of of paper maps, printed paper maps. And I guess that when they were doing the uh, the forecast back in the day, that every day they just printed off scrolls and scrolls of of these maps. And and everybody got one. And, so, <laughs> and to this day, I remember it. I'm not going to say how long ago it was, but it was a while ago. And to this day, I remember it. Like it was it's just funny, Matt, you say that. When I did the weather service internship, that's what I remember bringing back was a stack of DIFAX charts that were dot matrix, like really thick. It <laughs> yes. must have been like, probably a week's worth of like back then the MRF runs <laughs> and taking that. And I took it home and I just hung those on my wall, old model data just stared at. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world um, when I did that. that. That was the fun thing about going to the weather service office was looking at the Doppler radar and getting all the DIFACS charts and taking them home with me, which like was, was really, really cool. Yeah. And it's a, and for me, I was not a, a weather nerd per se, but I somehow some way knew that I was going to be in television even back then, I think. And that's what, my passion had always been and and just seeing somebody who had been who was on TV every night. It just it kind of sparks something in you and it sticks with you. If you just have a little bit of that in you already, it, it pushes it so much farther. Let's uh, go down to Charleston, South Carolina, and we'll bring in Jared Smith. Jared. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you what, when I was a kid, uh, I had the 90s Weather Channel, which was, I mean, it just the most educational television you could possibly find uh, AM weather, things like that. But uh, 2022 me is like, Oh my goodness. 1990s me would be absolutely losing his mind at the access to information and people and, 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 and just everything that we have now at our disposal. Um, what can kids do to get into the weather? What can they do at home? Uh, you know, what kind of things could, should they be looking up? What kind of things should be they, you know, should be they be looking at? You know, 
mess around yeah, with. Yeah, Jared, that's a great question. You're exactly right. I'm the same way. Like, if I would have had access to this stuff as a kid, if the internet was, like, in my house at this age, I would have been, like, going crazy. Um, but what I did do back then, and I think it's something you could do now, is, um, and I think probably don't, we kids don't do enough of this. The internet's actually probably a detriment in this standpoint, is what I did early on is what, what anyone could do is I started taking weather observations at my house. So I start, I got a weather station um, and I probably made my dad horribly angry because I duct taped the wires all outside my window on the siding and put it up on the roof because I could reach the gutter. So I'm like, I put it up there and um, I put a rain gauge out. And so what I did is I started every day, I, I had a notebook, I would actually track the weather at my house and I would watch the weather on TV every night. And what I would do, and I still think this is great about the observation part of it is, all right, here's, here's what the forecast was and here's what happened. And then I would start like recognizing patterns like, hey, when I see this show up on the satellite chart or the forecast map on TV, and then this is what we get in my house. You're so, it's like a self-learning thing where already you start looking at data and then verifying with what's happening at your house. Now, with the Internet, you could do that at home. You could start looking at, at model data. You may not exactly know what you're looking at, but start looking at some of the stuff and then observing what happens. This, this is the connection. We've we, we got so many models and so much automation now. People don't take the time to actually literally go out and look at what's actually happening, whether that's remote sensing, satellite data, radar data, or just out the window. I think that's really important. And it really starts to give you kind of a, a baseline of like, hey, this is the way weather works. And when you see certain things in the models, they don't always come out to be exactly the way they are. But if you start recognizing, oh, I saw this in the model one time and this happened, and then in the future, it starts going. So I think just observing the weather, becoming maybe a trained spotter, a Kokora's, um, you know, a spotter, which is a rain gauge and crowdsourcing rain data, that's going to start you on a path where you start, you start some accountability as well. Like I have to track the weather every day and keep diligent notes. I think it's a great way to start and kind of go down that, that road because um, trust me, we love the data as meteorologists. I love everybody who's a backyard enthusiast who's sending me weather data because it makes our job easier. <laughs> I'll tell you what, too. I mean, it, you know, I remember when we were doing our Skywarn trainings the, this past year. I mean, we had uh, several really sharp kids <laughs> yep. in those Skywarn trainings. And so that was awesome. And and again, those are the kinds of things that, um, you know, just weren't, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it just it, just in the last, you know, 20 years or so. I mean, Kokoraz is still is is about 20 oh. years old. At yeah. this point, I mean, it's just amazing. You know, th those observations are no longer just going into your notebook just for your own use, but they're actually useful to the community at large. I think that's a really inspiring, cool thing. Yeah. I mean, think about Kokoro's. You can buy, I think it's actually on sale now. It's like a $25 gauge and you literally can help issue flood advisories or flood warnings based on reports you're sending from your backyard. And you guys know rainfall data is one of those pieces of information that varies so greatly over short distances, especially in our terrain, our mountains, you know, where we get varied, you know, some one side of the mountain gets 100 inches a year, the other side gets like 40. Um, so that rainfall data is really, really crucial. You could have a huge impact on, you know, decision support stuff for warnings, um, for future forecasts. I mean, it really does help. So I think that's really cool. And just getting a weather station, like I'm a big Tempest fan. And the great thing about making that thing public is you're in the public API, which is then going into a lot of these data feeds now that the weather service is grabbing. So it is pretty amazing. When I do school talks, I always tell kids, you know, 
there's 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 weather on your phone but i said your phone actually has a barometer in it and some android phones actually have a thermometer in it and depending on on who you're giving that data to somebody's taking there's mining that data from your phone and using it to make a better forecast so it is crazy we are now to the point where crowdsourcing is a huge part of what we do in meteorology and every single person out there no matter your age uh, no matter where you live can be a part of that I've uh, put a link to Coco Ross in the comments for those of you watching with us live. Also added some on the screen, including submitting MPINGs, which are different types of precipitation, really helpful as we come into the winter season. And you can also look up those Skywarn spotter classes that both Brad and Jared mentioned. We do some of them here at the Carolina Weather Group from time to time. I know WCNC does them, and they uh, are also offered virtually and in person from your local National Weather Service office. So if you don't see one this winter, I'm sure be on the lookout ahead of the spring weather season. I wanted to ask Brad a couple questions about the current weather outside right now. But before I do that, uh, does anyone else from our panel or anyone watching live who still wants to type a comment in have a question for Matt or Brad about this uh, this spot that I'm sure will be up for an Emmy nomination next year, Matt, if I do say so myself. Well, I got to hop in real quick and ask a question that I, I tried to ask earlier, but the, the Rubik's Cube, um, it was solved obviously by a very smart person at WCNC. Was that representative <laughs> of you back in the day? Could you solve a Rubik's Cube as a kid? Oh, I, I could. Um, that, it's okay. That's kind of ironic because they didn't really ask me about that. But yeah, I, I grew up with the Rubik's Cube and I, I, I would solve it quite a bit. In fact, I had one of the, the Rubik's Cubes that was, um, I don't know if you guys remember, it was kind of like a geodesic dome shape one. There was different shaped ones. You could get a triangle one. Um, and I remember that's when mom would do would get different ones. And uh, back then you couldn't Google stuff or YouTube stuff to figure out how to solve it. You literally would just sit there and play with it for hours. We had some friends that I know that would take the stickers off and put them back on to make it look like you solved it. But I'm like, mm -hmm. you, you could tell when people did that because the stickers never went on the same way again. But I did love the Rubik's Cube. I thought it was like one of the coolest toys of the late 80s and um, played with it quite a bit. Um, it, it, it's, it's funny. The only part about this ad that's it's somewhat... It, it, it's it's somewhat comical to me now. Mm -hmm. It's like back then, I probably didn't want to be on TV at all. Um, so the whole doing the map thing in front of the camera, I actually thought back then, and I, I was totally wrong, was most of the people I watched on TV, I think were real meteorologists <laughs> growing up. So I, I didn't want to do that, but I did respect, I got lucky. The one meteorologist I did mentor with at the TV station, he actually was a legit meteorologist. He, had, he, went to the, he was an Air Force meteorologist who ended up in broadcasting. And but I would say back then, and Matt probably knows about the TV business, you know, he got lucky to talk to, to Mike Seidel, who was a legit Met. But back probably in the late 80s, early 90s, I would say probably half or more of your TV weather presenters were not meteorologists. They were like a failed news anchor or sports guy who who was really funny and personable, didn't do so well at the news and sports desk. I stick them in weather. You know, that's what they kind of did. But what happened, the revolution happened really when, when Twister came out in the early 90s and Doppler Radar, the 88Ds came out in 1988, was like, holy crap, we need people on TV that know how to use this radar. And severe weather was important. It's like, hey, we need somebody with a background because all of a sudden the viewers are like, hey, um, my life's on the line here. I actually need someone who knows what the heck they're talking about. And so I got lucky. I kind of graduated right at the time when the broadcast industry was like, you know what? We need people with degrees doing this and i'm lucky i work for a company now where we really don't hire people to do the weather anymore that don't have a degree in meteorology or at least have some kind of science background you know most of the time we say 
you have to be eligible for an AMS or NWA seal. It's kind of a backdoor way to say, hey, you got to have the, the schooling to be able to apply for those, which means you have to have a, a earth science or a meteorology background. Brad, when did you know? Was it was it when you graduated college that you were going to oh, attempt yeah, TV? So, so I didn't take any journalism communication courses. My degree is in atmospheric science. And so I got my degree and I graduated. I thought I'd go work for NOAA. I thought I'd be a, you know, a weather service employee. And there was a hiring freeze in the government at the time. Uh, it was one of those con congressional budget impasses where, you know, the government was going to shut down. And like there was a hiring freeze across the federal branch of, of NOAA, which, you know, is the weather service. And I'm like, oh, you know, what am I going to do? My buddy talked me into an internship at the TV station in town, uh, WBNS, which ironically is now owned by our, our company um, in Columbus, Ohio. And I went in there and they had their own Doppler radar, their C-band Doppler radar. They had silicon graphics machines back then. I was a huge tech geek as well as a weather geek. And I was like, wow, this, this equipment is unbelievable. And so I got the internship and I started building all these cool 3D graphics on the silicon graphics machines. And the news director was like, who is building this stuff? And the chief meteorologist was like, our intern Brad's doing it. And she right away said, hey, we want to hire you as a weather producer while I was in school. Basically, I did my internship. They just paid me. Um, to go. And I built the graphics and did the forecast, did everything but be in front of the camera. And um, I loved it. And I did that until I graduated and then got a job offer on TV. And I literally, while I was doing that weather producing job part time, I finishing school, I had one sport coat, which fit poorly as heck, put it on that night after my shift of weather producing and did a demo reel um, at WBNS, sent it off to the NBC station in Dayton, Ohio. And all of a, all of a sudden, uh, I get a call from their news director. Hey, we want you to do mornings for us. And that was my crash course into being on TV. I literally learned about the TV business in that internship and by being on TV. Um, and the hardest part about it, honestly, I could talk about weather forever, as you can probably tell, was the time constraints. Like, holy cow, how in the world am I supposed to say this all in 30 seconds? <laughs> and so that, that was the hard part. Cause I remember the first day I put the IFB in the morning show, I'm doing my weather. I'm like two graphics in, I'm getting this rap, rap, rap. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm still in the middle. And it's like, they just cut me off. And I was like, and the producer comes running out. You only have 45 seconds for this hit. And I'm like, what do you mean 45 seconds? I got like 10 graphics. So that was the most difficult part to be honest with you. So over the years I've learned to be efficient with my words, use less graphics and uh, get into that. But um, now I, if I, I can't believe I'm still doing this. I've been 20 years <laughs> in pro. And it's like, back then I kept thinking this was a temporary thing. Eventually I'd go back and become a, a, bro a forecaster for the weather service or chase the get my master's. And who would have thought now, you know, all the way, all these years later, I'm still doing it. <laughs> This is the only time I've ever heard a story, and I was thankful that the government had shut down because it yeah. gave us Brad Panovich of today. I would, um, I would have been, I would have been, of who knows? I probably would have making good money by now because I would have worked up the G scale. I would be probably a, a, an MIC or somewhere, you know, somewhere, maybe a Sioux at oh. some office. But, but would you we know, have had a radar in Charlotte then? Because in that case, maybe I like this alternate <laughs> timeline. I'm. I, I was lucky. I, that was the other great thing. I was before consolidation. So I was able to go to the weather service office in Akron camp before it got consolidated up to Cleveland. So it was near my house. That was back when Charlotte actually had a, a forecast office as well. Um, so a lot has changed, not only in the weather service, but in the broadcast industry. And I think all of it, you know, mostly for the good. I'm, I'm, I'm sad there's less offices, but the technology and the weather service side and the, the broadcast industry has just legitimately become some of the best operational forecasters I know are in TV. I could not have told you that 
20 years ago. <laughs> that was not the case. Um, there are some really good meteorologists in the broadcast side. It is, it's really encouraging. The viewers should be happy that the level of expertise now that is appearing on TV, because that was not the stuff I grew up on. And I'm sure a lot of you guys can, can tell, say the same thing. There was, there was some good ones. You knew who they were, but there were a lot of people that didn't know what they were doing out there. Let me ask this question of Matt. Uh, who I'm already keeping into OT time here. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the importance of weather to a television station, Matt. Speaking from a marketing perspective, take us behind the scenes when you're triaging what you're going to promote as promotions manager. What role does weather play in the hierarchy of importance for a TV station? I, I mean, I would say right now, it's a number one. It's the thing that everyone that has a television on and, and even the people that don't have a television on and are still following Brad want to know is that they want the weather information. And, and that's just, it's one of those things that we know if we push that, if we market that it's going to move the needle. And, and we're really lucky at WCNC that to have Brad and as a great personality, as a great, uh, scientist is you know is he just knows what he's doing and he knows how to deliver it he knows how to simplify it if it needs to be simplified he knows how to get into the weeds with it when it's time to do that as well but i mean he just built um he just built you know i, I don't want to say persona but he's just built this thing where people in charlotte trust him and, and I mean, that's bonus for us. That's easy for us to sell. I mean, as a marketing department, that's what we are. We are the in-house advertising agency for our station. We want to sell ourselves as much as possible. And and weather makes that easy. Um, news is, you know, news is always there. That's we're going to push news. That's what we do. But, you know, these days, it's especially when it's something that you can get right now. You, you're going to trust the source. And it's just, it's a no brainer. And it helps when Brad keeps getting voted by queen city nerve readers as the best TV personality in Charlotte. I think that must make your life all that much easier. So congratulations. It really does. Uh, and it doesn't hurt that he's got a couple of fans uh, on the internet. That just, just a couple, just a couple. It, it, <laughs> it makes our job that much easier. It gives us a, a running start. I think there are a lot of people who follow Brad on the internet who don't even live in the Charlotte area, uh, especially and folks. Plenty, and plenty that don't own a television, I, I would probably guess. Yes. I'd tell you guys a funny story a couple of years ago in my old house. Uh, we had new neighbors move in. And this will probably kill Matt. But uh, I had a, the neighbor came out and goes, oh, you're Brad, the weather guy from Twitter. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like never watched me on tv just knew me from twitter and like social media and i was like oh well i guess you're getting the weather for me in one way but i but the, the backdoor way around that is the cool thing about that is like you know sometimes you know you cringe like okay they're not watching tv but at least they know if they are going to watch tv here's somebody i know and i've already connected with online if you want to know the importance of social media and why i love connecting with our viewers and our followers online is that there's already a connection there and it's like when people tune in, they like they feel like they kind of know me because I've already shared stuff with them online and they follow me and know what I what I am. And so um, that pulling the curtain back thing is pretty cool. And that's the other reason this commercial is so great. It's just another way to say like, hey, we're human beings, and like this is like not just some talking head giving me the weather. There's the backstory of like how I got into this. And one of the things I love about 
Charlotte and this station and where I am is I love this community. And I think that's the cool thing about um, doing local TV versus like going national or, you know, all those people that want to go. I mean, I love the weather channel too, but I can never forecast for an area I don't live in. <laughs> so for me, being part of the community and this being my home and my kids going to school in the same weather I'm forecasting for is a pretty important part of, of what I do. So I think it's really cool that um, I get to be a part of this community and they're so good to me. And um, I think it's cool. I get to share stuff like this. And Matt puts this awesome work together to kind of show a little bit about the backstory behind me as well. And um, you know, why I love weather so much. Well, that seems like a perfect transition to talk a little bit about the current weather. But first, of course, reminding folks that they can find Brad Penovich, Chief Meteorologist at WCNC Charlotte Television, uh, 4, 5, 6, and 11, most weekdays or anytime on Twitter. Uh, we'll take this live look outside over a normally very lovely Charlotte. But as we can see, the fog is back. The CAD is holding on. The wedge is here. And Brad, I, I, I teed this up, uh, connected this just, just so you could explain what we're looking at here from our Dallas Tower camera, courtesy of WCNC Television. Um, I can't currently hear Brad. I see his mouth moving. I don't know if others can hear Brad. I was going to say, oh, there, I can hear me now. There you go. Um, yeah, we're, we're above the clouds now. So we've got a high cloud deck there, but we've got clearing below that high cloud deck. And then we've got the low stratus slash fog forming near the surface, which is kind of cool. So, um, yeah, pretty cool setup tonight. A little bit different than yesterday. Yesterday, uh, the wedge was still pretty strong, and we had the warm front coming in. And what happens was the warm air aloft was pushing the inversion down. It was actually squeezing the cold air out. And oftentimes, when we see the CAD begin to break with the warm front, we start to see some really thick fog. Tonight, what happened is we got the warm front already past us. So we've got this humid air mass. The dew points are in the 60s right now. Problem is, as soon as the temperature hits the dew point, we get saturation and we get condensation and we get a cloud to form at the surface. So tonight's setup is a little bit different um, than last night. Um, we've got so much moisture near the ground and the, the dew point came up, whereas last night it was more the temperature, you know, rising a little bit and the dew point coming up tonight. It's just the dew point so high and we've got that temperature right at it. So uh, we've already got a dense fog advisory out for some of the foothill areas. I wouldn't be surprised to see that expanded again tonight. Saw some of the first fog delays that I've seen in a while for some of the school districts around here, which is um, the rural districts. You know, this time of year, it's the, those those country roads are tough to navigate in the dark, but you throw fog on top of it as well. It does make it pretty dangerous. Visibility um, at bus stops is really a safety issue. And when the sun doesn't come up now, I think the sun comes up at eight, seven, 19 tomorrow, seven, 18 yesterday. Um that, you know, it's still dark when these kids at the bus stop, that's bad enough. And you throw, you know, quarter mile, eighth mile visibility in there. It makes it kind of dangerous. So um, some rough weather again in the morning for travel, but actually doesn't look as bad as last night, James, to be honest. It was much worse at this point last night. I was driving back from Asheville last night and it was, it was a rough go. Uh, all that fog all the way down the cold air damming the wedge. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it, holding on. When, when will this break Brad? Because I feel like there's only so much <laughs> hot chocolate and coffee I can drink to try to keep me bubbly until like the clouds just bring me down. I would say we're going to get some breaks tomorrow. That would help mixing. If we get some sunshine to come out, the Southwest flows kicking up, but there's just, we're kind of stuck. We're kind of in this, this no man's land between winter to the north and summer to the south and the subtropical jet is right on top of us so we're getting little ripples of energy and so it seems like every 12 hours or so we're getting a little batch of rain 
and it's not allowing for things to kind of mix up. We're not getting the front to come through and just clear everything out and kind of kick up the winds. Um, so I think every night until we see a front come in, probably the, the one on Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday morning will be the one that maybe kicks enough out that we see some clearing for Monday, Tuesday, um, and then we'll get a little break. But next week looks interesting. We've got a big trough swinging in the middle of the country, and um, you know everybody wants cold air, but I, I actually am more worried about severe weather, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, ahead of that big trough next week. Yeah, we'll come back to that in a second. But first, he's here to answer for it. Scotty Powell and his new digs in Myrtle Beach ah. teasing us on Twitter that he has nice sunny weather because in this illustration, ah. you can see all of the blue stretching from Athens, Georgia, along the I-85 corridor into upstate South Carolina, and then into North Carolina, as into the mountains, into the Piedmont, Greensboro. Everyone's kind of just socked in with this wedge. So uh, if you're not familiar with this, this is what I like to refer to as a, an infamous weather pattern. There's a lot of things about living in the Carolinas that is great. This is not one of them. So thanks, Scotty, for letting us know that you've got sunshine and happiness in Myrtle Beach. Although, did you set know. a record I, like I Charleston like did? I like the challenge of it, to be honest. With you me. like it? It does I really mean, make it interesting. The weather's miserable. It? I'm not going to lie, but I love the challenge of the wedge because that's where that's where my years of experience and knowledge come in very handy because they want to know I used to have hair and then you come forecast the wedge. This is what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I enjoyed James. I enjoyed my two mile walk on the beach today with 75 degree temperature. So it wasn't too bad. Okay. That's Scotty Powell, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Scotty. <laughs> Jared was even was warmer cool. than I was. So I mean, he said records and Charles the record. Yeah. I yep. saw him, uh, down in Pensacola had a record today. Some parts of Florida had record highs today. Yeah. We hit, yeah, we tied 98. Uh, we were at 81 today. So wow. we tied 1998. Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty good. Not gonna lie, it was it was great taking meetings outside. It was you know average high uh, is going to be basically our low tomorrow. Man. So yeah, life is good on the life is good under the ridge. Um, <laughs> just saying, I mean, it's not going to last though. That 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 front is going to clear down here uh, through the weekend and bring us back to reality. So you know you, you enjoy it while you can, and um. I think I think more people actually are probably grumpy at this point that it is, you know, 81 I've, coming towards Christmas. I would agree. Yeah. We've had so many complaints about it being so warm and it's December and it shouldn't be this warm. And I was like, I'm not complaining because I know what you guys have been suffering through. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll take 70s any day over the cap. Well, this is the one time of year, honestly, where if it's cold and snowy, people don't care because around the holidays, this is the one time. But the, the funny thing about the Carolinas, as you guys all know, this is not really the time of year we see a lot of wintry weather. We're a late winter set up here in the Carolinas. It's usually January, February, March when we see our wintry weather. So when it's the holidays, it's usually I, I could count probably more southeast ridge setups during the month of December than I could, um, you know, big time winter events, except for maybe the, the first week in town I was here was after the ice storm in, in, in 2002. Mm. Uh, and that winter was pretty crazy in, in December. That was a cold December, but usually Decembers are, are usually mild. And like I always say, people want a white Christmas. There's been more 70 degree days on Christmas here in Charlotte than white Christmases. So you're, you're wishing for the wrong thing if you want a white Christmas here. All right. So then we'll ask you this before you go. You, you mentioned yeah. a moment ago, chances of severe weather next week yeah. in December, right? So we can get severe weather in fall slash winter. Still yeah. a couple of days out, but what are, what are we looking at here in this transition maybe that is ahead? 
Well, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, um, La Nina is kind of notorious for this in the winter, these severe weather events during the winter season, especially here in the southeast and, and in the south. Uh, the severe weather threat certainly looks pretty pretty high across the Mississippi, lower Mississippi River Valley into the Tennessee River Valley. The question is, does that translate east? Do we get lucky again and the energy splits and we get timing of the day where there's not a bunch of cape, but the shear certainly looks off the chart. So um, that, that's a pattern flipping setup next week that that trough could could swing the pattern. And, you know, everyone wants to know about Christmas. I, I, I'm not ready to say it's going to be cold and wintry, but it certainly looks like there's going to be a pattern change for the second half of the month versus what we're in right now. Um, I do think the, the the Arctic blast everyone keeps promoting for the East Coast is a little overhyped. Um, these blocking patterns over the last 10 years, in my opinion, have become really difficult to forecast about where the cold air is going to go. Um, the thing that happens and when we talk about blocking, it's warm air gets pushed way up into the Arctic and it displaces cold air. It used to be you had big, broad troughs. Now these troughs are very narrow and they're more amplified. So what happens is somebody gets blasted with cold, but then that builds a ridge on either side of the trough and then somebody could get blasted with a, with a heat wave. So it's like a do or die situation for winter weather fans. You want the blocking and the negative Arctic oscillation and the negative North Atlantic oscillation, but you're either going to get really cold and snowy or it's going to be the blowtorch uh, with the, the Southeast Ridge, which is seems uh, we kind of teeter back and forth between the two the last couple of winters. Well, that was a lot of vocabulary. And if folks want to learn more about it, I will shamelessly say Brad's winter weather outlook is out. And you can find it on the Weather IQ YouTube channel from WCNC, which leads me to this segue. We went to Beach Mountain to shoot that with a big pile of snow. I went to the top of the mountain. It was lots of fun. I don't get out, out often during the day job to field produce, but listening to this conversation and listening to Jared talk about Charleston weather and listen to Scotty talk about Myrtle <laughs> Beach weather. Matt, I don't care what it is, but the next promo we are shooting at the beach and we are leaving like tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, we have, uh, we have a pretty good idea. That we just oh. have to get it signed off on. It involves a cigarette boat, um, sunglasses, <laughs> you no know, drones, the whole thing. We just I like it. The like powers it that be have to approve it. And <laughs> well, if you know we want history to repeat itself, you gotta you gotta text the boss now. At yes. Well, I did have to convince her that before I showed her the uh, the final spot, I, I said, Joan, this. You have to like this because this was your idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that maybe that's safe. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, we appreciate uh, you guys taking us behind the scenes of the spot, talking a little bit about um, what goes into marketing weather, a little bit about this horrible weather pattern we're in now and what lies mm -hmm. ahead. Brad, we have one more question for you from Freedom sure. Viewer NC. Oh. TN high country weather. Why are troughs different now, more narrow than they were in the past? You know, that's a good question. I think there's going to have to be some research. I think a lot of this has to do with the lack of Arctic sea ice. This is just kind of my theory starting to see this. Uh, you know, I've seen uh, um, a lot of research done in the recent years on the effect of all this lack of sea ice in the Arctic. It's, you know, people think, well, you know, Arctic sea ice is not a big deal. The problem is even water temperatures that's 33 degrees versus 32 degrees is like liquid versus ice and you know salt water takes much colder temperatures to freeze um, that open water tends to draw in more heat because the sun doesn't bounce off of snow and ice it, it's one of these feedback cycles where it gets warmer so that causes warm air to surge up into the arctic 
And what happens is it pushes that cold air south. And instead of having these broad troughs, it, it started to make the jet stream, and it sounds weird to say this, but more kinky, kind of think like a hose with a bunch of loops in it. It gets more kinked up, um, you know, more amplified, and you tend to see a lot more of these really sharp ridge trough setups. Um, and you get a lot more extremes. If you think it was it two years ago, it was the, uh, the uh, big Arctic blast that hit Texas. Mm-hmm. Very, very, inter- you know, the people in Texas think that was a horrible winter. That was the only cold snap they had all winter. <laughs> it was one big old trough. And it was warm the rest of the time. And remember, we were on the east side of that trough, so it was pretty mild here. It was colder in the heart of Texas by by 15, 20 degrees than it was in the Carolinas. That's what we're seeing, these really sharp, narrow troughs. And I think it has a lot to do with the lack of Arctic sea ice. It really is. It's causing the ridges to go, they push higher up into the higher latitudes than they used to. And it's really driving down narrower troughs. I mean, it's fascinating, but I, I'll just tell you, just looking at it, me as being a winter weather fan and doing winter weather forecasting, which is the only season I really dabble in long range forecasting. I've noticed that more in the last 10 to 15 years than I did in, in my early careers in broadcasting and in, in, in school at Ohio State, where you'd start looking at teleconnections. You could almost take it to the bank, negative Arctic oscillation, negative AO, cold and snow for the East Coast. That's just not the case anymore. And there's something going on there. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. I guess it was last week or the week before, if anybody wants to scroll back and learn a little bit more about some of these uh, these trends and these signs that we look for in Siberia and the Arctic and the like. Uh, we've got us in the Brady Bunch squares now, uh, which yeah. I did not know was a feature. But if everyone could just kind of look left and down, right, there we go. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this uh, live edition of the Carolina Weather Group. If you've got questions for Brad or Matt uh, and you're listening to the podcast or you're playing this back on YouTube later on, leave them in the comments and uh, we'll try to get them answered for you. I know where to find them most days and you can find them on WCNC television, Charlotte, WCNC, the app, if you are in or out of Charlotte. And uh, we will, I think, leave you with the notion that there is still a clear sky out there. It's still there. You just have to go 1500 feet up the tower cam above the cloud layer, above the wind in order to see this camera. James, this camera is going to be awesome tomorrow morning um, once the sun comes up because we're probably going to see that cloud base below and um, and see the, the clearing above. Yeah, that's if people don't know, our Dallas uh, uh, tower, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, James, you probably remember, was it 1,600 feet of high? I, I was thinking 1,500, but I think 1,600 for the, very the purpose of this is close enough. Yeah, so our camera's at 1,450, which I know is exactly the, the altitude of that one, so... Um, so we're at 1,450 feet. So those clouds are all below that. And we're in a clear trend or clearing area right there at that altitude, which is pretty cool. I think we're looking to the West. I'm actually going to swing that around for Charlotte. You go as, ahead. As we'll watch. I see, I see two transmitters <laughs> flashing off in the distance. I have a hard time with this 360 degree camera on a clear day, knowing which way I'm looking right now. We have literally, this is what it must be to be like lost out at sea. I have yeah. no idea. Well, what we're I'm wondering at. if we'll see the skyline above the above the clouds. That's why I'm turning it. Okay, there's a slight delay from the time that Brad turns it at the TV station to when it will uh, show up here at okay. my house. I just turned it. <laughs> okay, we will. I have it aimed toward Charlotte, I believe. Allegedly. So, <laughs> allegedly, yeah. There's a huge delay, so you see it turning now. There we go. So you can see the city lights below the clouds there. That's what you're seeing. Isn't that that's cool? That's pretty cool. So that's probably Gastonia 
that might be Stanley or Belmont. And now this should be off in the distance. That should be Charlotte. I think you're right. I think it's behind that wire. Behind that wire. So, yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah, we'll see the clouds, the fog illuminated from below by the city lights, which is, and you can see it's actually even clearer off towards east. And if you ever wondered why it's hard as a pilot to land on a cloudy day, this is why. Find the airport and you win. Yeah. It's down there somewhere. All right. Well, that's a pretty fun toy. And uh, I, I know because I, I heard whispers, there's, there's a new toy coming to Ballantine. So look for the new expanded Skycam coming sometime soon. I don't know if I was supposed yeah. to say that or not, but what I know, cameras I, are I, awesome. I did, I did it now. See, it's another reason why you should observe. Like I always tell, like you heard me say this, James. One of the one of the best tools we have now are cameras. I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. seeing what's actually really happening out there. I would have thought I have all this technology, Doppler radar, all these computers, and like the most valuable tool is a camera looking at the sky. It really is. Which we all have in the palm of our hands. I know. So there you go. That is the genesis for you want to get kids involved in weather. They're probably already holding one of these. Yes. Brad, Matt, thanks for joining us. Matt, excellent job to you you. and the entire promotions department. Um, We're looking forward to young Brad part two. I just assume (laughs) it's coming at some point. Sure. Sure. We'll go with that. Uh, We'll take any uh, original ideas and claim them as our own. If you like. We have two more new episodes of the Carolina weather group slated for you on the remainder of this year. Mark Suddeth, hurricanetracker.com, and uh, the, the gentlemen who are on the screen with me just wrapped up talking to him, and I can tell from their, their head shaking that it was another great recap <laughs> of the year with Mark. And he's then, awesome. He's awesome. And he's awesome. And you know who also is awesome is Jim Cantori of the Weather Channel, who will be coming back to wrap up the year uh, later on this month so please do who like and subscribe. I never heard who, who, you never that? heard of him he's a he's another <laughs> bald guy <laughs> i just like giving jim a hard time <laughs> we only do bald guys in december yeah <laughs> that should be a whole no. podcast bald guy weather i mean I, I got, you know that's it right i said first i mean the marketing writes itself right there <laughs> okay get out of get it, the photo is right here i mean it's, <laughs> it's just a big shiny Great. If only there were bald guys in weather. Yeah. All right. On behalf of everybody, I'm James Briarton, Charlotte. We will see you back here again real soon. Have a good night.